Hello, everybody, and welcome to Volume 3, Issue 106 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 3, and our next five issues are Proteus, Mark of the Ninja, presented by Josh, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels, and Super Mario Brothers 3. That'll be two hours. Uh, then it's a Super Monkey Ball Bonanza. Following that, we have a couple of weeks off to spend time with our loved ones for Christmas or another non-denominational holiday. And then we return with Nia. Head to canorince.com for the full schedule, the blog, links to our forum, to our merchandise store, the Facebook page, the Twitter feed, the YouTube channel and all that jazz. As usual, please remember to subscribe, review and rate us on iTunes. Now... Killzone 2 and Killzone 3 are our focus. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, it's Jay Taylor. Howdy. And Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And all the way from the USA, looking forward to Black Friday, it's Sean (laughs) O'Brien. Hey, how's it going? That already dates the podcast. (laughs) So we are going to focus on Killzones 2 and 3. As ever, we will uh, look a little wider than just the games we're talking about, but it did strike me that uh, we normally kind of do a series in its almost entirety, certainly the core games, or we don't do it at all. So why are we not talking about Killzone 1? Would anyone care to field that question? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it may have been my decision. But I think, um, put simply, I don't think enough of us wanted to play it. (laughs) I think, if we're honest... Uh, when it comes down to it, um, there just wasn't enough interest. And we suspected there might not be enough interest uh, among listeners about that particular game. We will talk about it very briefly in the context of the hype that built up around it due to a magazine cover. But we'll come back to that. Uh, Here is your spoiler warning, because uh, certainly, although I can't remember a single thing about (laughs) the stories of any of the games, I know that Jay's quite quite, uh, hot on it. So uh, we may well talk about at least the the end to to certainly had some things happen in it. Um, So there are spoilers for the single players, single player campaigns. Um, um, but the first thing I wanted to ask you chaps is, did any of you play Guerrilla Games' only previous work that I'm aware of, which was Shellshock Nam 67? I, I once picked it up in a game shop and put it back on the shelf. That's one of the closest <laughs> I've ever come to it, I think. Mean. Josh? No, no. no. Um, I looked into it recently. I did a, a feature on... Uh, basically soldiers in games you know from commando basically all the way up to uh, the modern battle zones and call of duties and uh, although i ended up cutting it for for space that i noticed that around 2004 there were a couple of relatively well received vietnam based uh, video games um We'd come a long way from Rambo and things like that. But I, I looked up and, and actually it was relatively well reviewed at the time probably more so than their their next work uh, so they are a Dutch team based in the Netherlands, but they also now have a studio in Cambridge. Mm. But I assume that's a more recent development, um, part of Sony. The one thing that I think sort of has come up today when we've been asking for feedback and stuff is the famous Edge cover. I assume it was, I, I guess it was late 2001 maybe or early 2002 after uh, Halo had come out on Xbox in America or maybe it was even slightly more, slightly after it came out over here in 2002. Um, 
But Edge magazine, uh, the famous UK glossy mag, did a preview of Killzone, um, and their cover line went was something along the lines of, is this the Halo beta or is this a Halo beta? <laughs> um, and obviously it was a PS2 exclusive. And of course, I think that set into motion just that that that, that one thing. And I think it was an entirely an editorial decision, possibly a sub-editor. I don't know, you know who wrote that headline. I don't think it was a quote from anyone on the Killzone team or anything like that. <laughs> Honestly, maybe they wouldn't have wanted that sort of pressure. Um you have to, you know, put yourself in context how huge Halo was at the time, what a what a first person revolution and revelation it was. Um and you know, certainly I was I remember being infused for this uh, PS2 first-person shooter. I like the sound of these sort of realistic bullet-firing weapons, and I like the look of these red-eyed pseudo-Nazi aliens and stuff. But then the game came out in 2004, November 2004, to very tepid reviews. I I day one this game. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I even played some of the multiplayer. And I think the biggest – I think it was – you had problems. You had several problems with it. Oh, you know, one was hardware was showing its age, even even at that point. Yeah. Compared to what the Xbox was doing with the Halo series, mm. uh, and the multiplayer sucked badly. I mean, <laughs> the whole online infrastructure of the PlayStation Two just wasn't there. So it, no, it wasn't there at yeah. all, was it? You had to buy a little Ethernet dongle if you didn't. Uh, well, I think some of the later PS2s had a a, a port, didn't they? But um, I remember. I think it was like Tony Hawk's three came with a dongle. You could buy a copy with a dongle in the box or something like that. I've got this online. big thing that sticks on the back of the PlayStation. That's though. it. Yeah. A network adapter. Yeah, type affair. It, yeah. yeah. But there was no, there's no Xbox live type structure. No, was no, there? No, as such. Um, yeah. You had to do this whole install of this disc or whatever it was and go through this palaver of signing into this account and, or just a mess. Even compared to the Dreamcast, it was a little sort of, yeah, it was, respect, I think it? I originally got it for Metal Gear, but when I did eventually find a game of Killzone, it was horrendous to play online. Um, yeah. So I, I didn't play it at the time. I was completely, after my initial excitement, um, put off by the reviews, but I did finally play it when you were playing it through a couple of years ago for a for a different podcast. Hmm. Um, and uh, this, so I guess this was like 2011 or something like that. And uh, I played like half a level at, and it was... Yeah, I just thought it was terrible. <laughs> it, 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 it was, I, I, yeah, it was received as being mediocre in two thousand and four. Um, seven years on, it was just, yeah. Oh, you you try playing it now, and it is, yep. oh, terrible. Really. Yeah, yeah. I, I had never played it at all. I wasn't even aware of Killzone until Killzone Two came out, and then oh, really? Yeah, and then I played. Um, I got the Killzone trilogy ah, just good, sometime last year, and okay. Having played two and three before this one, it's yeah, it's yeah. just like the brownest, muddiest. The sound yeah. is terrible, which is crazy considering how much mm. the sound improved. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, I was going to mention that HD version because it was delayed and delayed, and mm-hmm. then it eventually came out as part of a a trilogy uh, pack with obviously two current gen titles. So mm-hmm. it was a bit of an odd, uh, an odd trilogy in in, <laughs> in some ways. Um, but yeah, the. the that's very much it feels like just like the starting blocks and now the odd one out and two and three feel like a natural a natural pair mm-hmm. uh so that's kill zone uh, i think it's fair to say none of us recommend uh seeking it out yeah. going back and playing it even you know maybe it will be given away on ps plus at some point or something you can look at it and laugh maybe but um 
that was that. Um, then before Killzone 2 also, there was a PSP title. Uh, is it third-person game? Uh, Killzone yeah. Liberation? It's like a bird's-eye view third-person game. Top down. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was fun. Um, <laughs> it wasn't... Uh, I enjoyed my time with it. It just... Um, it didn't grab me. It didn't do anything really that exciting. It just had, you you know, your typical uh, shooter set up. Oh, there are red barrels. I, I'd better shoot those, I reckon. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, it was, there wasn't anything bad about it. It was just kind of mediocre. So that was no- November 2006, uh, two years after the first game. And then we had to wait a further uh, couple years or more, two and a quarter years, until eventually Killzone... Two arrived. Director on this was um, Matthijs de Jong, uh, the lead level designer Neil Alfonso, and the composer uh, Joris de Man, who won the Ivan Novello that year for the best video game score. Um, and indeed, it's one of the first things that blasts out when, when you first boot the game up. So let's go back to Jay. And uh, so having day one to the original Killzone, mm-hmm. were you there in line again for the sequel? I was. Uh, well, yeah, sort of. Um... I alluded to these friends I had at Sony at the time on the Little Big Planet show, and as a result of of, of them, um, I got both two and three um, day oh, one nice. for nothing. So it was just yeah, quite handy really. But um, yeah, and I was I was genuinely excited for this game at this by the time it hit release because we'd had some pretty impressive trailers at this point. Um, there was one particular trailer where it showed the sort of death animations as you know, how they reacted to the environment when you shot things and it, and it was set to music and stuff and, and all in slow motion. And it, it did mm. look stunning. Um, and it, in truth still does to this day in many ways. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I was quite excited for it. Um, not so much when playing it, but that was mainly due again to hardware issues um it was the biggest problem i had with the game wasn't so much the game itself but it was the dual shock at the time because mm-hmm. you had the you as you still have them now but these horrible um concave lower triggers which were just they well they're absolutely horrendous to play an fps with um yeah. And it wasn't until I purchased some geotech real triggers to clip yes. on that mm-hmm. I managed to sort of, I, you know, that I started to actually enjoy playing the game. But, <laughs> you um, see, see, for me, I I never use the uh, the back triggers for mm-hmm. shooting in first person shooters on the PS3. I always use L1 and R1. Yeah. And when I do that, like I, I never have a problem no, with I- uh, using it. <clears throat> A lot of the shooters, a lot, a lot of games like Battlefield, for example, they'll they've you know changed that. But the default setting, uh, and for whatever reason, I never changed any of the the custom options. Yeah, um, I stayed with the R two, and I, and I don't know why I stayed with R three <laughs> for iron sighting because it is. I went back to it this week, and I was thinking, why the hell would I stick with that? It just feels so counterintuitive. Yeah, it's really weird. And uh, Josh, did you buy this day one? I did buy it day one. <laughs> but um, I, I was kind of um, sucked in by the hype um, just because the game looks so good. Like all the trailers for it. Mm. I know there was that fake 
they, they there was that trailer, the controversy about that trailer mm. that was all CG, and they kind of said, "Oh no, it's gameplay footage," and then it was revealed it's not. But even still, the gameplay footage, the real gameplay footage, looked amazing. I was thinking, okay, right, a first-person shooter for the, for my PS3 that uh, you know I can play online and stuff like that. Um, I think the single-player. Well, I, we'll get into that later, but yeah, um, I wasn't too impressed. Sean, well, I um, I did get it day one, but not out of I wasn't really anticipating it because I I wasn't super plugged into like the industry at the time or, or knowing. I wasn't reading news as often and I, I must have saw some kind of ad for it and looked it up online and I, I specifically remember uh, Giant Bomb gave it a 5 out of 5 and I was reading the review and it sounded great and so I just I kind of just went to the store and was looking around and I was like oh it's that game that game got a lot of good reviews so I just picked that up and then yeah I was pleasantly surprised with it but I, it just kind of came out of nowhere for me I didn't know anything about that original trailer or or like I said before I didn't know anything about Killzone at all so Hmm. Yeah, just kind of came out of nowhere for me. Yeah, for me it was one where I'd sort of yeah been aware of it. I had a, a sense that this was going to be a big improvement on the previous game that I'd skipped. Um, it was still at the relatively we, when we talked about Little Big Planet recently. I was saying that at this point in that, that in that, at that point in late two thousand eight, I still hadn't bought too many big. Uh, PS3 exclusive titles so I was still looking for those still excited by the idea of getting some more mileage out of my um, PS3 because I still tended to buy multi-format stuff on 360 whether it either because it ran better or because I was more into achievements or I preferred the controller so um, it was nice to have that and uh, I just remember uh, seeing it in a shop down the road from where I worked at the time and it was a, a, a steelbook tin with a with a sleeve and it looked quite enticing i quite like the the striking helgen design on the cover and uh i don't know i i don't i don't remember it i, I don't think i was expecting some sort of life-changing first person shooter experience um and i certainly didn't get it but um it's worth saying that at this point i wasn't really that into online shooters even though I had been dabbling for about five years at this point since Halo 2, uh, or I guess four years and a bit. Um, I was still somebody who found the whole playing online um, quite stressful and intimidating at times. Yeah, I'd, I'd played a little bit of COD 4 and things like that, but it was always, it was very much that that experience of, of just you know, dying, spawn, dying, spawning, dying, spawning, and not getting a huge deal out of it. So I hadn't really thought too much about playing a multiplayer, but actually that's what, that's what kept me, uh, that's why I kept my copy of the game for several years in the end. And it's actually how Jay and I here kind of got to know each other. Um, it was probably through the old Gamerdork forum that we talked about hooking up online to play some multiplayer Killzone 2. Yeah, it was, um, yeah. Yeah, and I remember <clears throat> you were sort of demonstrating the uh, some of the the cool features of the graphics engine mm. while we were waiting for other people to join us in our game. And it was funny because it really took me back, even though it was uh, 2009, it took me back 12 years pretty much to uh, the time when you're first um, shooting uh, bullet holes in the wall in GoldenEye, see how many yeah. you can shoot before uh, <laughs> before the, the first texture disappears. <clears throat> Uh, decal or whatever they call them um we were sort of yeah just playing around in this arena 
um, sort of deforming the landscape, as it were, and see see how how potent the engine was. Um, yeah, it's quite a strong memory, actually. It's the it's probably the the strongest sort of impression that I've got from Killzone, anyway. Which is, it's hard to look at Killzone One and think that that's the same studio that then made Killzone <laughs> Two because the yeah. the sheer difference between what they'd done in that game and for whatever reason i don't know what happened to that studio in the years sort of between the two games but they became very very good at what they were doing in terms of the graphic you know understanding the hardware getting the most out of it at the time i mean i still think even now when i went in and looked at it this week it's still technically amazing in parts for sure you know, it's 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 still a visually, imp- maybe not in terms of the aesthetic or the design. Although I still, I personally find that quite interesting. But you know, there's obviously a, very, a somewhat muted color palette in this game. It's not it's not a bright game in any way. It's lots of very shades, gritty, yeah, yeah, and and grey. But it works within the confines of the story anyway, because it's set on Helgen, which is this big industrial planet anyway. Um, but you know, shooting chunks of plaster off the walls was ne- it never got boring, and even now it's still kind of like it's still quite impressive, you know. It's most I always find it most uh, exciting. I mean, we're going to see more and more of it now with the with the extra power of new generation machines and uh, PCs. Uh, it's that it's that it's when that stuff happens almost incidentally mm. when the physics are kicking off around you. Uh, when the landscape or you know the environment yeah. is being broken and deformed while things are happening, it adds so much realism. You know, you could, mm. if you think back to early first-person shooters, that was exactly what they couldn't do, and that's why it was so striking when in Goldeneye, uh, and and I'm sure some PC shooters mm. got there slightly ahead, but this was '97 actually, and and really things like Quake that were around on the PC at the time, you know, they look they look gorgeous, but. Mm that that sort of extra environmental impact that you were having was yeah. added a huge amount and and I think it still does and I'm I've, you know I've noticed it I was when we were talking about Arkham Asylum recently playing the the PC version with the physics stuff turned on just the fact that you actually you're wafting things as you go past and things like that it really it it's a, it seems like a little thing but it I think it would go a long way to convincing non-video game people who, you know, the sort of people who look at a video game and think, well, it looks like a video game. It's those, it's that, it's that very subtle stuff that actually takes you out of the, um, we, we normally talk about the uncanny valley regarding faces, but I think there's an actual uncanny valley that um, is just video game worlds as a whole. And um, things like environmental effects can really sell a world that much better. And Guerrilla obviously realised this. And maybe it's simply that you were talking about how they evolved as a studio between PS2 and PS3, and maybe their their ambition just you know didn't fit on PS2 in 2004. And and these were the things that they wanted to excel at. Mm, I mean, I still uh, what I, there was one thing that really stood out to me, which was when you shot a wall. Well, there was two aspects to it. One, that if you shot metal, sparks would fly, but they would bounce on the floor, which mm. I, I, I could never, I, as even now, I, I never get bored of looking at that and thinking that's really impressive. But it's also the way the bullet holes would glow red for a fraction of a second after you'd hit them and then fade. And mm. it's just little tiny th- things like that that I just remember being, even on the demo of Killzone 2, was just spending half an hour shooting into the walls until I'd run out of bullets, just being like looking at this stuff thinking this is really impressive you know 
So that stuff was, uh, I think we all agree, pretty cool, but we all uh, seem to have reservations regarding the single player. And certainly you already mentioned the control scheme issues, and I certainly felt that. It, I think it was a real barrier for a lot of people. And still now when you hear people kind of being quite dismissive of, of the whole kill zone thing, I wouldn't be surprised if that initial discomfort of trying to actually play the game with its weird sort of did the first game have a sort of semi cover system and yeah, yeah, hold yeah. a button in and mm-hmm. weird weird button control mapping and um also they patched in a, a they had to patch the aiming didn't they in in, yeah. in Killzone mm-hmm. 2 because it wasn't it didn't feel right to people yeah. um and there were just a lot of barriers that people were already you know absolutely um steeped in how Call of Duty felt, right? Well, that, and, yeah. yeah, I think that's that's exactly it, though. And it's not. And I've, I've over the years, I've wondered if it was a fault of the games or whether it was just that kind of almost programmed expectation that we had from playing a lot of Call of Duty at the sixty frames. That that mm-hmm. smooth, light as a feather kind of movement, the speedy movement where you felt you were sprinting everywhere, and then all of a sudden they give you this game which. You know, it's not the only game that ran at 30 frames, but it was the first game where that I'd played where I felt the character had real weight yeah. and and sort of substance in that world. And you were slow because of it, because of all the armor you were wearing. And, the, and I remember reading comments about people saying the reloads are too slow, like they're painfully slow. But to me, I loved all that stuff. <laughs> that was what I liked about it. It felt... Like there was that extra layer of tension, especially on the multiplayer. If you get caught reloading your fire, you know whatever gun you were using, and you were, you just had to look for cover or stay out of the, you know, just all that. I, I really loved all that stuff. Conceptually, yeah. I thought the cover system was really interesting. I I like the idea of not being able to see your enemy because you don't want to get hit by them or <laughs> hurt by a grenade. Like the thing with first third person shooters when you go into cover, you have all the information you need to take out the enemy. Information that your character couldn't possibly have. Mm-hmm. Whereas with uh this first kill zone game and I think they improved it in the third one. Like there was this real feeling of being in that moment. Um, and, I, you know, we've been able to duck behind cover in loads of uh, first-person uh, first shooters before this one, but it, it, there was something very real about just hunkering down and having the gun point upwards to, towards the sky as if you're really pressed against mm. the cover. Um, all that stuff, like, just and combined with, you know, the stuff we were mentioning before, the visuals and stuff, there there is a certain feeling when you're playing a kill zone game that you are kind of in that moment you are in that conflict right yeah it's it's kind of like you you what what they do i think better than most shooters is that they make you feel like you are an actual person and not a camera with a gun attached to it like yeah that's like yeah, call yeah. of duty's thing is like you were just going straight left right up down you know corners and stuff you don't mm. feel you don't look down and see his legs and he can run and he can vault over stuff and like battlefield's kind of improved on that a little bit in the last few ones too but i feel like killzone really kind of tapped on that pretty early on and that's kind of what one thing that i attached to a lot as well that's interesting because uh, you know we we try to avoid doing sort of you know this game is better right, than that game yeah. and, and direct comparisons. However, I know you're a big COD player, yeah. and, and I think it, that's interesting because I think a lot of a lot of people who were very familiar with Call of the feel of Call, the Call of Duty and the way it worked mm-hmm. found Killzone a difficult 
jump to make, but you obviously just appreciate the different things yeah. mm-hmm. that the games do. And I kind of feel the same way. The other, you know, it's, it's interesting. The PS3's got two uh, separate exclusive sci-fi first-person shooter <laughs> trilogies. Uh, the Xbox has one six-game sci-fi shooter trilogy. Um and again, you sort of you you see pointless fanboy debates about you know Halo or Killzone, um, but they're so like yes, they're so they're both, different. Yeah. They're so different. They they they're just the intent, the the philosophy behind each one is just they're so far removed. Halo is is all about the the huge jumps and the verticality and the emergent physics and the you know all those those moments and Killzone just isn't trying to be that it's mm-hmm. it's offering this like you say this weighty gritty thing and and it might not be for you but but the yeah the comparison is fairly kind of irrelevant i would say it's it is there are things that it's always the way you know i, I often try to transition between different uh games in the same genre and it and it does have an effect there's no doubt it mm-hmm. trying to play say pro evolution soccer and fifa next to each other is just so difficult because your brain is receiving similar information and signals, but yet everything feels different. The controls are different. The AI is different. And things like, I remember, you know, we should go into the single player a bit. I just remember things like, as soon as I started playing the single player, just I couldn't work out the grenade arc at all in Killzone. It just seemed really mm. weird. Mm-hmm. It took me a lot of hours to get used to it after being pretty deadly with grenades in other games, Halo and whatever else speaking of the grenades though i loved the little countdown yeah uh, where you could cook them and you saw it like on a visual level on the side mm-hmm. of the grenade i that was brilliant <laughs> i wish more games did it yeah absolutely um yeah so much of it is, is to do with exposure but uh you know in in, in a world where especially now you know there are serious mm. you know there is serious competition to the point that Killzone is very much and also ran in terms of trying to attract people's attention just getting people to persist with something beyond the initial well i don't like the way it feels mm. is, is difficult i think um so i did batter through this single player um over a few sessions um interestingly like i felt no connection with the main characters um beyond these guys are annoying i had no <laughs> sense of who i was or why i was doing it i i enjoyed the setting i enjoyed the grittiness as i say i quite like the idea of british voiced space nazis um and i quite like the overall um the idea that actually this is one of those wars where you know are we the good guys right, sort yeah. of thing um it's interesting the car looking at the casting uh, the main the main ga- cast uh dimitri goritzas played sev um not a name I'm too familiar with. Um, and Charles Everett played Rico. Oh, uh, God. Then... <laughs> I hate Rico yeah. so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, further down the cast list, you've got the, the, the obviously where they spent the money. Um, not that not that these two actors are known for always doing the best things. They obviously are quite happy to work uh, when they are in demand, but... Uh, they have some cachet, and that is uh, they are Sean Pertwee and Brian Cox mm. uh, with prominent roles. Just jump into the very beginning of the game. Brian Cox's opening yeah. speech yeah. still yeah. has the hairs on the back of my neck standing up when I listened to it this week. It was just like I he forgot. definitely gives it. Doesn't he? Oh, yeah. it's it, it, you just there's something that you, you get from um, a, 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 a proper 
Shakespearean trained mm-hmm. thespian. You know, there's just the delivery yeah. is everything in that in that speech, yeah. and he just does it with such vigor, and it's just powerful yeah. moment. The way know? it builds up too, like he starts real quiet and real personal yeah. with you, and then he just gets louder and louder as like all the images of people getting shot in the war zones and everything like that, and he just keeps like building that crescendo yeah. up, and it's oh, so powerful, yeah. But then it dies down to yep. that single spoken line at the very yeah. end where you get his face appear out of the shadows where he's like, they will know. You know, yeah. and it's just we like, oh, oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so, yes, it sets the scene nicely and certainly it's stirring. Um, but then, as I say, you get into the get into the game and I just I, I just never really felt it I've got to say there 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 were a few moments I'm not saying it was never mm. remotely enjoyable because it was but as a as a video game experience the the 6 hours or so uh fades it's faded mm. long faded uh other than I remember was it Rico being a complete chump at oh, the yeah. end yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah throughout the whole game but especially at yeah. the end yeah <laughs> Well, yeah. I think the the opening of the game, the actual sort of not the the speech stuff, but the actual when you start to play, it's quite impressive. I mean, you you start on the ship. It's all you know. You've got the first person moment where you, uh, Sven is looking at himself in the mirror, and then mm-hmm. you you know you're running through the ship to get to the the landing uh, platform or whatever the landing ship, and then you've got that whole beach attack sequence where you all come yeah. in, and that stuff's still mm-hmm. quite. You know, impressively done it. Just you know, you're in the middle of this huge firefight, this whole invasion force coming down, and you know, it 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 guys, you know, it has its. It, it's a game that does definitely still have its moments. It's well, just the, the thing for me is this game suffers from what I have decided to call the Man of Steel problem. Mm where there's all these impressive action sequences going on like there's these imp- you know the visuals are amazing and they're they're exploding in your face mm. blah 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 but there's nobody involved in the conflict that I care about yeah. so I just don't care about the conflict um mm-hmm. and I'm just like the writing throughout the game um this is a bigger problem with Killzone 2 for for whatever reason Killzone 3 I think they got some feedback and they kind of cut that down. But there's swearing every Mm. two seconds. Now, I don't have a problem with swearing, but when it's excessive, when it just feels like you're cramming the F word and the S word into every sentence you possibly can, it just becomes really grating and childish. Mm -hmm. You know, I have used issues with the, the overall, and this is across both games, the the overall story and just... And like Leo mentioned earlier on, where he wanted a life-changing game or whatever, I actually, I was hoping it would be. I thought, I don't know, and and I guess in part it's partly to blame because of Killzone 1. Like they did stuff in Killzone 1 that that made me think that given the way that Killzone 2 was looking and and, and how they seriously improved um, on their technical skill, I was kind of anticipating that they'd done the same with their storytelling skill as well but unfortunately they hadn't and it was this i mean i'll well I'll reference what it was in one in in one you play four different characters and one mm-hmm. of those characters that you sort of swap between each different mission was a hellgast fifth columnist also played by sean Pertwee at the time and it was this idea that there was there were there weren't the hellgam weren't all villains they weren't all bad guys and you go into kills on two they don't even try 
to get that <laughs> stuff across. Well, yeah, that that's to me is like the ultimate crime of both of these games is that if you look at the backstory that they have written out, like if yeah. you go to like the Killzone Wiki and stuff, it's yeah. fascinating stuff. It's like yeah. there's there's so much great potential for this story of like the whole. Uh, Helgen's thinking that they're superior people and it's obviously a parallel of Nazism and stuff like that and and that carries through like every single game even to the newest one which is like sorely about like Palestine and Israel but they never ever like actually dive into it they just kind of they never take stupid risks. action movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They never take risks. They never, they never try. I mean, that's that's interesting. You mentioned the the timeline because that used to be on Killzone.com and now it's mm-hmm. on the wiki. But it goes into like a two hundred and fifty year period, and mm-hmm. and the only other game that I've ever seen that had that level of of thought put into the whole backstory was Mass Effect. Yeah, and it enriches <clears throat> and 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 in a part I. I guess that's part of why I was expecting something great from Kills on Two because I've been reading all this stuff on the website before it had, before the game had come out. So you've got this huge um, sort of timeline that mm-hmm. plays out that where well, you don't necessarily feel that the Helgen are at fault as such. You feel that right. they have yeah. their reasons for doing what they're doing, and and then with Kills on Two, obviously you're playing the ISA who are invading their homeworld. Mm-hmm. So you've yeah. got all this kind of potential, and it's yeah. a word we use. I use a lot when talking about video games these days. <laughs> but you kind of think that how great would it have been to have a game that actually made the player uncomfortable with what yeah. they were doing in the game or what they were actually playing? And I don't mean because of a, a crappy pad. <laughs> I mean because <laughs> of like you know yeah. how they were feeling about what they were doing. Right. Like, are they the good guys? Because that's it. The, the, the protagonists are so yeah. dull and so yeah. uh, of, of, of a generic mm-hmm. uh, soldier nature. They, they don't seem to have any you know, wrestling with themselves. I'm not saying that every game should try to be Spec Ops the line or whatever, but it, it seems there's a conflict between that, that backstory that, that has ethical quandaries in mm. it and the actual presentation of the game which seems to want to be very much of the gung-ho bombastic dude bro type mm-hmm. the, the thing is like it, it it doesn't even need to have like a really great story or really great characters like i don't think halo has particularly great characters or particularly great fiction but mm. it has personality like yeah. it has a feel it has an atmosphere to it and i just don't feel that killzone has that like none of the characters, like as much as Master Chief is kind of a two-dimensional cartoon, he does have a presence to him. He does mm. have like that iconic feel to him. The same way Ryu from Street Fighter, or you know, na- you know, a, a number of different characters have. I don't. Rem- I can't. You know, I can't yeah. think of any characters from Killzone that I'd think that way. Like. Yeah. Rico's well, the closest yeah. thing, and it's for all <laughs> for the, the wrong, wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, the weird thing about it in the first Kill Zone, despite all its flaws, many of them, um, th- there was an interesting dynamic within the squad because you had Rico in in there, who was the you know abhorrent racist, you know, soldier, um, and you because he would he would um, antagonize this Helgen. Uh, who was uh, his name was Hacker? Hacker. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. the, there was often a good sort of there was dialogue between them where Hacker was this, this kind of very intelligent, very smart, thoughtful, philosophical kind of soldier, and and he would uh, they would riff against each other, and it made that relationship really interesting. And 
I think one of the biggest mistakes that Gorilla made was not bringing back that character because the the sort of dynamic between these two characters it, it got interested, and by the end of the game they had mutual respect for one another, and it it gave that extra sort of dimension to those individuals. But sadly, when it got to two, they just decided to you know cookie cutter sort of generic soldier types who shout and scream a lot. You know, it's just mm. also from a from the point of view of a first person shooter campaign. I mean, there's there's a whole discussion to be had about how important they are anyway nowadays but obviously we're going back a few years here to the point where i mean we're still i suppose we're still a, a couple of years after call of duty 4's mm-hmm. uh campaign mm-hmm. was uh as uh, you know as um well received as it was people were already starting to say well it's only it's only like five hours long what's going on here mm-hmm. you know but then they realized that they were going to play the multiplayer for eight thousand hours <laughs> so it didn't seem so bad um but f- for people who bought Killzone 2 uh, wanting a first-person shooter um, with no real intention to uh, sink any time or effort into the multiplayer, I, I don't think they got a very good deal. I mean, even there's just a, a lack of great set pieces or interesting battles. There's certainly not the, you know, the sort of the um, the type of stuff you get in Halo, with, where the AI kind of ch- changes things around um, by its by its sort of adaptive nature, or the the larger environments that allows that sort of thing to happen. It's very much a, a, a kill arenas or corridors, mm. and with the, the the odd turret section, and then some uh, some spectacularly annoying bosses, as I recall. Um, is it the Sean Pertwee boss yeah. that Radic. keeps morphing in? Yeah, yeah at the end. Radic and just nothing that stands out about it uh, in, in terms of, you know, something that makes you feel like you'd got your 40, 45 quid, $60 out of it. However, fortunately there was a multiplayer mode uh, that I had mostly ignored, but luckily I'd kept hold of my copy until uh, Jay suggested that we play it. Um, And it, it it opened my eyes to the fact that, and it's something that still comes up on our forum quite a bit. um, People saying even James from, from Kane and Rince, um doesn't often enjoy the multiplayer side of things and people you know having awful experiences playing with randoms and stuff like that and it, it play just jumping onto Killzone 2 with Jay and some people from the Game Adult community at the time just it just completely night and day you know mm. from from the experience of going on uh a another game in a you know random or solo you can do it you can have fun with it but it's just it's just not the same it really started to bring back uh memories a lot of my favorite most treasured video gaming memories are of local multiplayer sessions with friends whether it be Bomberman or Mario Kart or or goodness knows what and this started to evoke that but obviously without the the hassle of getting people together um but a lot of it as well as what we were talking about earlier and and as well as that camaraderie it was this particularly ingenious mode mm-hmm. that i'd never seen in anything before and doesn't seem to really be i don't it may i i don't know because i haven't kept up with the with the other all the other first person shooters um but the fact that the mode kind of changed on the fly mm. yep. uh what, what was that actually called warzone, warzone. Yeah. that's called warzone okay uh i just thought it was great it was so dynamic Mm. i'm really surprised that no one else has copied it because 
it it seems such like an obvious addition to your <laughs> online uh, first. Like if you want to focus on deathmatch, it's there for you for right. the people who want to get really good at that stuff. But for someone like me, who's not really hardcore about their you know multiplayer experiences, who just wants to come on and have a good time, that mode's perfect because it gives you a lot of variety, a lot of different things to do. Okay, this bit of the game I wasn't doing so well, but. Now this, hmm. you now that we've moved on to this objective, I'm actually being really constructive towards the <clears> team. <throat> I really fell in love with Warzone just because I felt I felt like that somebody had finally made uh, an online mode that kind of suited my level of play. Mm-hmm. Somebody who isn't here to just get really really good at it. Just somebody who wants to have a ver- a varied experience and have some fun. Not. You know, I don't have to win. I just have to have fun at some point during the session. <laughs> and and, and um, like you, you were talking about playing with friends, I actually found this enjoyable just playing online as well. Like, obviously, yeah. it's much better with friends, of course. Yeah. But um, just like I never came, I never came across the kind of idiots that I did with uh, Call of Duty and <laughs> stuff like that. For I maybe I was lucky. But for the, for the most part, the Killzone community was kind of welcoming and and nice. So I I had a really positive yeah. experience with the the multiplayer side of Killzone too, much more so than the uh, single player. Yeah, uh, for me, having come from Call of Duty Four, like that was all I played for since it came out, and so. I was really familiar with being like the only guy on the team actually trying to do the objectives. <laughs> like everyone else is playing deathmatch, even though we're playing search and destroy or something like that. Oh. And yeah, and it's it's always the worst. <laughs> and so this is the kind of, this is the game that kind of opened me up to that. Oh, there are actually objective based first person shooters out there, and <clears throat> it really like caught on with me. And ever since then, I've always been like strictly about objective based shooters. And yeah, I really really liked Warzone a lot. I have to I have to say that. As anybody who's played with me on these games will know what I am with with explosives on these, particular, <laughs> whether it's claymores or in this case, it's like C4 charges. I had such a blast with this game for that stuff. I, I Because you could put them on door frames, on the top of the door frame, and they were proximity <laughs> charges. I had endless, endless sort of moments in, in multiplayer where I would... <laughs> You know, just be sitting in a corner, and then all of a sudden, you get that little—you hear the explosion, and you get that little kind of bleeping sound, and you, you know you got a kill, and it's just yeah. oh. I love the how chirp. understated the kill, yeah, yeah. the kill chirp is yeah. in that game. But yeah, Jay, you do realise you're probably single-handedly responsible for putting thousands of people off playing the <laughs> multiplayer ever again. It's like, why did I die? I just went through a door. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the thing yeah. with Killzone too, as well, they had proximity chat, which would undoubtedly raise a yes. smirk when you would be near them and you'd say he's done it again that <laughs> yeah absolutely I, I again fond fond but frustrating memories of uh jumping online into a game and uh, you know getting put on the opposite team to you or, or through matchmaking or whatever uh getting repeatedly blown up by your c4 charges over doors and just hearing you cackling down, <laughs> down the headset and cursing cursing the day that you were born but uh yeah uh, but overall, um, more often than not, we would gang up, mm. you know, get a group of us together, uh, friends, and uh, and sometimes we get horribly destroyed. But other times, we'd be the team who are communicating. Mm. And mm. people who have played Battlefield recently, uh, you know, that's got bigger and bigger a thing. Um, 
modes like conquest that really uh come into their own when people are actually working as a team and obviously with battlefield you've got the the different unit types yeah. as well um which killzone 2 did have it, as well it yeah, did. Yeah, they got yeah. rid of it in uh-huh. killzone 3 though but yeah that's right you could you could yeah sort of customize mm. mix up your own mm-hmm. your classes in killzone 3 but yeah just that that thing of when you you know when when you when you do have a plan uh some sort of plan or you got somebody who knows the map really well knows the modes really well who's kind of ordering you about and you and you like it you know it's helping you and you're and you're actually getting a a, a kill streak not that it's called that in in killzone 2 i don't think it barely barely acknowledges does it when you certain things it's it's quite sort of low key mm-hmm. um in 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 the way it treats everything again it sort of maintains that slightly gritty seriousness again mm. which i can understand why it mm. won't have appealed to some people but it felt business like you know warlike yeah. and, and it was the way, way that the sort of the modes would change in the game as well it wasn't like you get a lot of like something would come up in the, on the hood and say like you know deathmatch or or <laughs> any of that kind of stuff you know it, it it was very kind of it kept it all kind of within uh, uh, sort of, there was an authentic sort of vibe to the way that you you get like an intercom message that says, right, we need to take over these points, you know, and we mm-hmm. need to uh, hold the propaganda speakers and stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, just the way that as you would take them, you would hear like either um, Brian Cox or, or um, I can't remember who was the uh, the Hollywood actor that uh, played the... Sean Pertree. No, he was, uh, he plays no, Jason Narvel, Captain Narvel, and, and he's, um, um, he was in the Remar? Warriors. Uh, yeah, James Ramar, yeah. Mm. You would hear his voice sort of coming up on, on the on the speakers <clears> and all this kind of stuff. And just the way that it flowed, you know, it was it was you know and the map design. Mm. I mean Yeah, I was just gonna I say think, that. Yeah. yeah, it had some really I th- I think there were issues with some of the maps. Radic Academy in particular mm. could yeah, you could be one. And and there was yeah. an issue with like spawn grenades and stuff like that that became a uh, it became a bit of a problem for a while, but mm-hmm. you know, it's but, but you could work around mm, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and and sometimes it would almost be kind of comical, like with the uh, yeah, like searching just uh, what's it called? Whenever you have to set plant bombs at the two separate locations. Mm. Oh, and uh, and if it, like if they're all if yeah. all the enemy is right there, just swarmed over it, it just it looks so ridiculous to see all these people jump in together and everything is mm. blowing up nonstop all around you all the time. Yeah, yeah. just so silly looking. But and I would kind of get a giggle out of that, even if I was being decimated by the other team. That's it. There were some balance issues, and and some of the maps had ridiculous choke points, but right. it was still it was still a lot of fun. And and in in Warzone, you knew that the mode would change, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it was it it wasn't like well that's that's that game ruined because mm. it was all going to change, and then you're all rushing halfway across the map uh, for the next objective. Let's hear from the forum before we move on to uh, Killzone Three a little. Uh, Todinho says, I still remember how the graphics looked at the time. It seemed like one of those games you just had to have to justify your machine. Funnily enough, whenever I think of Killzone now, the graphics are the furthest thing from my mind. What's become really memorable to me is how the ships, mechs and weapons look. They all seem so unique and different from what you normally see in this type of game and help bring an identity to it. The gameplay also adds to that, having a sense of weight and impact all of its own. That and the levels that mix things up with jetpacks and mechs help make the campaign just a little bit more memorable. I'm a little uh, hazy. It's been a a while now since I played even uh, Killzone 3. Uh, Which game had which... uh, The the mechs and the jetpacks were in 3, yeah. Yeah, just in 3, okay. 
Alex seventy nine UK is uh, is not a fan. He says Killzone two was the first game I played on my PS three. I hated it. No idea why. It just seems so dull and generic. <laughs> kind of a tough one to start on. Well, I think if if you if you're see if he's talking about the campaign, there's probably truth in that to a point. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, 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 I would yeah. I would never call the multiplayer dull or generic because I think it broke. I think it it. it it, it tried things that nobody else was trying at the time and, and maybe it was too early for it. You know, I, I often wonder like, you know, was it too soon and were people too much into the COD mindset to accept it? Because I remember at the time um, I was playing, I, I was actually playing both those games at the same time. So I had the Xbox for the Call of Duty crowd um, and we had a whole group of players. Now, some of these guys also had Playstations and they bought Killzone and they hated it. And I remember pleading with them early on <laughs> to try and convince them that it's worth playing, but they just would not get into it. They, they hated the controls. They hated the feel, the vibe, and all the rest the of pace. it. The yeah. pace. And yeah. it just, I eventually, I, I, you know, stopped playing with them. Um, and it was just, you know, moved on. Um, but it was, yeah, I just remember getting quite frustrated trying to convince them that there is a really a strong multiplayer here that does things differently to what we're used to. Um, yeah, that's why I mentioned earlier. I think it's. Uh, I think Sean is possibly in the minority that he's he managed to make the make the leap from one to the other mm-hmm. and and appreciate them on their own terms. Um, it is very much. It's kind of. I don't know. It's it's not right to call Killzone any kind of simulation of anything, but it it makes me think of that difference of jumping from something like Burnout to Forza. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of. You've got the very you know over the top super fast kind of ridiculousness of one game and mm-hmm. then you've got this very deliberate uh and specific feel of another mm. um there's no there's probably a, another perfect analogy but there's something there's something to that i'm sure sly reflex uh, wants to talk a little about that voice talent he says you can say what you want about the kill zone games but they sure know how to cast good voice talent in the hellgas parts sean pertwee malcolm mcdowell and ray winstone really make the scenes they're in Sean Pertwee has been in a few games, most notably the Fable ones, but he totally nails the main villain in Killzone 2. Also, uh, been voicing over uh, Professional MasterChef recently. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, he doesn't mention Brian Cox there, but we've already done that. Uh, Ray Winston, I'm not quite so convinced about. There's a little bit no. of ham, ham with mm, his cheese yeah. and some of that. Malcolm McDowell chews the scenery yeah. until there's no scenery left <laughs> as well. So, Yeah, that's true. I'm, um, I'm less impressed with 3 in terms of that stuff anyway because it feels quite disjointed when I was going back and watching it again today. It feels like really kind of thrown... It's, it's going off in different directions all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Malcolm McDowell, uh, sorry, uh, Ray Winston, I can own The weird thing about Ray Winston as a voice actor, and I'm referencing Beowulf in this, is he, he just doesn't sound convincing when he's trying to do a kind of posher version of his own voice. Mm, like yeah. a more, he's got some weird affectation to it that you just can't, it, it, it sounds rubbish <laughs> well if you ever ever seen him interviewed i'm sure you have he is full-on full-blown proper east end cockney and trying to put on a posh accent probably sounds as convincing as a very posh person trying to put on a full-blown mm. east end cockney accent uh an, a, an actor though he is um and a good one i think but uh 
yeah, it, it it's that it's that weird thing. But um, oh, I'm glad he's in there. You know, he's always fun. But uh, and frankly, you know, there's so much kind of nonsense about the the single player yeah. and the characters and the stories. I don't think it 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 doesn't didn't ruin anything for me. But kind of adds to the silliness. There were some funny aspects. We'll get straight onto the uh, the Killzone Three single player. Then um, came out almost exactly two years after Killzone Two. Um, Many of the same people involved, I believe. Uh, same director, same composer. Um, co-op had been added. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit weird. We we played some of that, didn't we? We had to, um, didn't we? Because I wanted the platinum. <laughs> that's right. You got the you got the platinum. You didn't get the Killzone 2 platinum, though. No, that and, and there's one particular bit, and uh, which, yeah, it's, it's the Radic fight on the hardest yeah. difficulty setting. Like, yeah drove me to utter frustration and <laughs> i just surprised. i just stopped yeah. dead and I, I to the point i mean if i i looked at the save today and it's literally <clears throat> all i've got to do is kill radic and the game is done <laughs> everyone else is dead it's just radic as it's left and i've got a save point right there and it's just i'm not even going to attempt it now because I've, yeah, I've got to sort of recondition <laughs> myself to playing it so <laughs> i remember that being fairly horrible on normal difficulty so yeah i wouldn't bother shiny platinum mm. or not uh so co-op kind of weird uh there was a split screen co-op uh mm-hmm. but yeah. there's some weird sections that are clearly not designed for two people and things like yeah. that i i have no idea what they were thinking with that in 2011 <laughs> to have split screen co-op only um, yeah only local uh, yeah. yeah is um Bizarre. Uh, that's all I can think of. It's just crazy. Uh. Modern Warfare Two had already come out with its Spec Ops mm-hmm. mode and things mm-hmm. like that, and it, um, yeah. Did Did anyone try uh, playing Killzone Three with the Move controller at all? No, no. I have one, but I didn't even bother. <laughs> yeah, because uh. I was always curious to know how. Because I actually like I, having played Metroid Prime Free Corruption. Mm. Like I always think like that this could work. If the controller was a bit more accurate, so I always wondered what Killzone Three would be like with the well, mode. I remember um, a lot of the people saying who were using it saying that it, it added like a whole lot of aim assist. It basically was a lock yeah. on, like so. Right, yeah. that seems the opposite exactly. of how it should be. Especially yeah. with like the, the move has like really good fidel- one-to-one fidelity, and so yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know why they chose That's that. That's really weird. It should almost make it like a, a light gun game. Right, where you have mm-hmm. to. Yeah, I think the the thing that's it, it did cross my mind. I do have a, a move uh, wand or whatever you call it, yeah. uh, but I don't have a, a navigation controller mm. or a nunchuck. Uh, so I think that's what put me off because I didn't want to be holding <laughs> a dual shock the, the whole yeah the dual shock in my left hand. So, um, but yes, yeah, so I totally agree about uh, the Metroid uh, Metroid Prime Three Corruption. Yeah, um, uh, that felt really good, and and of course the Metroid Prime Trilogy. Uh, which is on the list, the big list of games that we may cover someday, Metroid fans. Um, but yes, again, beyond that, uh, my memories, I must admit, of the single player, despite I think I played it through at least maybe once on easy and once on normal, are very sketchy. I remember enjoying it as a game a lot more than two. Mm. Like yeah. There were several set pieces that I thought were really entertaining. Like There's a mm-hmm. bit where you get a jetpack yeah. and you're going around an oil rig, was mm-hmm. it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. Was it? Yeah. Sorry, my memory's really fuzzy. Um, and there was that giant like mech spider thing that was in it mm. towards the mm-hmm. end of the game. 
game. But, yeah, but, at least they actually put some sort of variety. Boss, proper bosses yeah. and stuff in. Yeah, and so yeah, from a gameplay perspective, yeah, I enjoy Killzone Three quite a bit. <clears throat> I still think the story is diabolically bad. Actually, I would argue the story's a bit worse in Killzone 3 than yeah. uh, than Killzone 2 especially mm. the way the game ends Ugh, just because like all the way through it's just like this generic stupid you know 80s action movie and then they pull like genocide out of <laughs> nowhere <laughs> yeah. and they just end the game yep. with yeah. like the entire Helgar civilization <laughs> wiped out and you're left yeah. going Wait, what? That got dark really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you see, my problem started right at the very beginning because right at the very start, you've got a cutscene that's... Um, and, and they also try to spin this whole thing where now now they want Vasari to be an evil villain. And so right, he deliberately yeah. nuked one of his cities and they show this whole <laughs> cutscene where it's all this kind of backroom sort of planning to, to, you know, to set up the ISA with this nuke. And it's you've got one particular scene where you, for, for whatever reason, Vasari's daughter appears at the very beginning of the game, and he holds a hand, and she pulls her hand back almost like in disgust. And you think, yeah, okay, yeah. there's something in this. Is she gonna? You know, and uh, mm. silly me, I thought they were gonna. She was gonna have something to some part to play in the game, but lo and behold, nothing whatsoever is ever mentioned of Vasari's daughter ever again. And as far as I can tell, in none of the spin-off games or anything. And it's just, what the hell? Who was writing this stuff? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. like, Chekhov's gun. You know, that's writing 101. If you're going to have a moment in a game or mm -hmm. a story or a film like that, it has to pay off in some yeah. way. You can't yeah. just throw it in for no reason. We sort of stumbled over it briefly, and we're not going to go into every plot point because there's no point. But what was the... There was a there was basically a political faux pas by Rico at the end of the second game, right? So he killed somebody that they should have taken as a political. Right, yeah, he killed, yeah. The, sorry, they killed the emperor. Cox, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. which of course was not the idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> made everything much much worse. Um, yeah, and I can't remember how they got from that. I, I I do have a vague recollection of Rico sort of wrestling with what he did throughout the, the course of, of yeah, but Killzone they, three. They, they all the definitely... way through, I just because he was such an idiot in the second game. Yeah. Yeah. All the way through the third game, I was just like, yes, feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. You are an asshole. Well, I, I think I, I I remember quite clearly playing Killzone two, and about halfway through the game, was wishing that I could kill Rico. <laughs> that yeah. I wish I could swap sides and shoot this guy because not only is he just an abhorrent example of a human being, he's, mm. he also gets one of your team killed about midway through yeah. the game because of his <laughs> yeah. utter impatience to yeah. take, you know, to kill the Higgs, as he keeps saying. And it's just, it, it, the guy is such an idiot. And there's, there is, it, it was a deliberate plot point because there's a one point where uh, Seven... Um, Rico almost come to blows over the, over the uh, coffin of the fallen comrade, mm -hmm. and it's just like you know that you know, and it's it's just that oh ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah, but th there's a way of writing unlikable characters oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, are yeah, still sure. interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I I know uh, Leon and Jay. You probably haven't seen Breaking Bad, but I know me and Sean have, yeah. and there are characters in that show. That are utterly detestable, but they're still <laughs> yeah. interesting. Mm -hmm. You still yeah. want to find out what they do. Mm. Whereas Rico, he's detestable 
and boring. Yeah. So there's just nothing there for you to attach on as an audience member. Well, the, I mean, the, the thing is, the most interesting characters are the Hellgast. Yeah. So you got yeah. Vasari, and then and then Colonel Raddick, like voiced by Pertwee, is is by far the most sort of charismatic character in the game, and you kind of thinking, uh, you know, something up, something up with this, you know. And, uh, I mean, as hammy as Malcolm McDowell and um, uh, and oh, why have I Ray forgotten Winston. his name? Ray Winston. Ray Winston's performances are they're still entertaining. You know, yeah. I still every time they were on screen, I was like, finally somebody like. I can engage with in some way is on screen, <laughs> but yeah, everyone else, the heroes are just, they might mm. as well be replaced with pieces of cardboard for as interesting as they are. I I really would love to know what, because I, I, here's the thing, when I play Killzone 3, I get the impression that there was a lot more to that story originally envisioned mm. and yeah. either it ended up getting cut out for whatever reason and trimmed, but but not necessarily rewritten to make work around the cuts. But overall, despite some plot nonsense again, um, yeah, I, I have a I have a, a sense that I had more fun yeah. with it than Killzone mm-hmm. 2's uh, equivalent. Um, but I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't recommend that people seek it out to be honest there there are i i feel there are, I th- there well, are better I think games if, to play if you've got a, a boring saturday afternoon and you've got nothing else to play i think you know if you've got it if you it's already been available on playstation plus isn't it or is it uh no, 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 the multiplayer is free player. to play yeah okay yeah oh in that case no don't bother <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the multiplayer mm. so there were a few changes mm. some were not necessarily welcomed by the the Killzone community Um, the fact that it looked like they were sort of maybe trying to go halfway house hedge their bets a little go down the Call of Duty Mm -hmm. route uh, slightly speeding things up on screen indicators saying how many points you scored Mm -hmm. and stuff Um, but we dive back in uh, Jay and I and uh, regulars the the Kane and Rince regulars I'm not actually sure we were Game Adult regulars at the time weren't we yeah I suppose yeah Uh, and uh, we had a lot of fun with it again. I I I, I feel yeah. confident in saying, um, especially on the new mode, mm-hmm. uh, the missions, operations, the missions mode. Operations, operations, yeah, yeah. Only ever three maps for that mode, sadly. Yeah, um, but what that's all we about. played them over and over and over <laughs> and over and over again. <laughs> it was, and and it really, yeah, it was baffling why that was never expanded upon with yeah. DLC because we yeah. lapped up the DLC as soon as it was released. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the hope that they would add more <laughs> to the operations maps yeah. and nothing. But it was such a brilliant mode. I mean, much like you know, the war zone was just something new. This kind of operations mode was it, it got super intense on some of those maps. Mm-hmm. You know, because they would you would have that kind of objective based gameplay, but you would have to each section would have its objectives to do, and you know, like lay three explosives or whatever, or lay two explosives in each of these offices, and you would defend them to the core you know and it was just full-on <laughs> gritty in your face firefights you know mm-hmm. and it got really intense and, and really quite exciting to play 
Yeah, the I, thing that I was really impressed with was uh, with uh, Killzone Three was the way they expanded on all the classes. Mm. Um, I think Killzone Two had a pretty good class system, but it really felt like you could specialize in Killzone Three in a way that you couldn't in Two. Mm. Like my favorite class is the uh, tactician, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and because you, because he's almost all about just capturing you know waypoints and just defending them like because he has this ability to uh summon a drone a flying drone mm-hmm. where just that just rips people to shreds and there were there there have been several multiplayer matches where i haven't even bothered shooting people at all all <laughs> i do is i go over cap my job, as far as I'm concerned, is I <laughs> capture points, plant loads of mines around the point, and then unleash my sentry, and then bugger <laughs> off to the next one. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I kind of wonder if um, if we're all in the minority here, though, because like you alluded to, Leon, before we started talking about this, that there was a lot of people who weren't happy about the changes that they made. And I kind of wonder if the reason we didn't see more operations maps is because what I was seeing online was most people really didn't like that mode at all. And they weren't a fan of the new class system. And there was just like a lot of people really upset with how Killzone 3 multiplayer went out. And so I kind of wonder, like I liked it too, like you guys did, but I'm curious yeah. if we're in the minority there. <laughs> well, op- yeah. yeah, operations is is a mode that is really, you, ha- you kind of, because it's so team focused, yeah. if you, you know, there was, I mean, we've been on games where the other team were just, you know, telepathic in the way they would attack. And then you would be like absolutely decimated. Like mm-hmm. before you know it, they've got like that that in that, um, I can't remember the level's name now, but the snow-based one where they've got to first off put the batteries mm. in that mm-hmm. charger. Yeah. Like yeah. We, before we've even sort of embedded in and, and barricaded <laughs> the doors, they've got the third one in. He's like, what the hell? You know, and there'd be those games where you'd be just like, oh, what the hell's going on here? But it's just, and I guess if you came into that and had one of those games, you could, the, the, I mean, you know, I don't mean to be dismissive about a, sort of a percentage of the gaming audience, but there are people out there that would literally trade the game in the following week because yeah. they had a yeah. few mm-hmm. bad games on it. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's just the way these things go. But Yeah, I, don't, I think uh, in a way is it's it's kind of fair enough if that's people want what people want to do mm. and maybe it's maybe it, gorilla and i'm sure they you know i'm sure they tried their very very hardest but i think probably still a lot of people default to playing the single player first mm. and if the single player isn't that amazing they're probably less inclined to try the multiplayer i mean maybe that's changing now maybe people will dive into the multiplayer mm. but um I don't know. I I just feel like Killzone has a, a sort of slightly strange identity that sets it apart from other shooters. It's obviously got a hardcore fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. And unfortunately, I have no figures as regards to you know the the player base for the second game mm-hmm. compared to the third or or whatever. But um, I mean, something about the way that they set the multiplayer up, and it's something we haven't talked about yet, but I know that, and I don't know if any, any of you guys tried it, but it was one of the first console games that I came across that I'd played that had some really serious clan support stuff mm. going on. Like you yeah, had separate yeah. ser- dedicated servers for clans. And, you know, throughout the whole killzone.com website, which was, um, you know, you could set up matches via that and, you know, send messages to other clans to challenge them 
mm-hmm. all through the mixture of the, the sort of the game and the website. And it was really good. And I briefly was a member of a, a, a clan, and for the life of me now, I can't remember the game, the name of them. But um, I joined them because I, I gave, I'd played against two of these guys on my own um, in just one of these sort of random empty rooms, and they joined in. I saw they had a clan tag, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not dropping out," as so often many people do when they see <laughs> the other yeah. side. Oh, they're outnumbered. Um, and I stayed on, and I gave them hell with C4. You know, it was just <laughs> hell my own. I got, I ended up getting battered by him, but you know, I put up a fairly substantial fight. And and because we had the proxy chat, you know, they were saying, "Do you want to join? Do you want to? Do you fancy joining our clan?" Because you know, I, I was like, "Yeah, cool." I was actually quite, you know, taken with the fact that they thought I was good enough to join it. <laughs> and they were quite a good clan. They were ranked at like, I, I can't remember. They were quite highly ranked within the overall stats. And I played this one game and. It's sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here, but I remember playing this and thinking there's a whole different world out there of, pr- of proper serious clan players. And it was my first insight to how serious some of these guys are. I was pl- mm. we had this two on two game which had been scheduled on a, I think it was a Tuesday night, eight o'clock, turned up, got into the lobby, played. And because you had proximity chat, as I got close to these guys, they had grid referenced the maps out and they were talking as grid references as to where we were and i was just like amazed that people take the game that seriously and being quite sort of you know impressed on on one level i mean i can't remember if we won we probably lost but it was just it it was my first sort of um experience of that level of play Mm -hmm. and you know this is a game that had, had set all this up you know, within you know, when they designed Killzone Two and, and and the clan stuff carried over, maybe not to the extent it was in three, in two, in three, but um, it was still there. You know, they still had the clan support stuff, mm. and it's something that perhaps you don't see enough of. You know, but I guess it, that's definitely for a minority audience. I guess, but maybe it's not what they feel sells the game anymore. But well, I know for one thing that that also might have turned off a lot of those clan players was the whole. In in two, you could customize, you could like set up your own match and customize how you mm. wanted it to go. You know, snipers only, or you know, anything like that. Yeah. Certain certain types of modes, and they, I'm pretty sure they gutted that all again for three and just took that all. And you just pick Warzone or just Guerrilla Warfare or Operations, and it just shuts you in there. You know that did. But there was kind of still a, all the customization and how you set it up, so the order oh, there was? of play. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the, the weapon stuff was still there, so you could still limit the weapons off. Oh, okay. But the problem was is that people wouldn't necessarily you you. I think there was a better <coughs> way of finding those games, or not, mm. or avoiding them if need be. Mm. And so, if it was pistols only, quite often you would just end up with an empty room because people just didn't want to yeah. play that. Yeah, you know, with kills on two, the only reason people set that up was to get the damn trophy for the pistol kills. <laughs> yeah. Any other specifics of the uh, the Killzone Three multiplayer that we ought to cover? I guess the the one thing that struck me when I first started playing Killzone Two uh, again, oh sorry, Killzone Three, was that it didn't look as good as Two. Mm. That's always something that I mean. The, the, I guess they had a very they had to make concessions for three D because I know that that's yeah. one of the games oh, that they yeah. pushed on it. I remember that. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I feel I was quite as as I'm quite anti 3D anyway. I was quite 
perturbed at the time that they sort of down that the things didn't quite have the same impact that they had with two. So the things didn't quite have the same physics in the game. Like you know, you couldn't shoot plaster off walls like you could in two. It it, it and it felt you know there were no of those sparks anymore. It was all just kind of very sort of mm. traditional kind of impact. Are, Jay, are you are you talking specifically about the multiplayer or the single player as well? Um, I think the single player did a better job of, of set pieces. So there was a lot more kind of visual impact with the single player stuff. So yeah, yeah. It was, in particular, the multiplayer stuff felt like they'd conceded some of the visual fidelity to, to run the 3D. Some more correspondence then. Uh, Josh, could you read Derek's? Uh, he's, I think he's mainly talking, yes, he's mostly talking about the single player. Okay, Delby2K says the Killzone games always fitted into that variety of shooter that did enough to make me feel good without managing to make me feel clever. These are ostensibly and unapologetically corridor shooters with waves of Hellgas running at you, eager to be headshotted at the player's earliest convenience. The foes are not clever or smart, So there is no pleasure in outwitting them or employing clever tactics to move forward. Instead, Guerrilla relies on making the player feel good in firing the weapon and mowing these waves down. Hopping to an endorphin rush of power through dominance makes up for the basic level of the game's structure while throwing lots of pretty things around to aid in the distraction. For me, that's enough to make it fun. It is not outstanding, but it is enjoyable for a few evenings as I marvel at how pretty it looks, how nice my gun sounds, and how crazily powerful I am. Not every shooter has to be a game of wits. I like just having straightforward firing range through different environments, and that is what Killzone does for me, and I am more than happy with that. I have never regretted playing either of these games, but I would never replay them either. Fair enough. Um, that's an interesting. That's probably not a perspective that I've heard from anyone else that I'm aware of. The I really enjoyed the kills of single players and didn't play the multiplayer. Um, but I'm sure there are there are more like Derek out there. A new contributor has arrived. It's uh, Andy Hamilton from Midnight Resistance. He says, I couldn't tell you the first thing about the plot of Killzone. It's some macho dudes shooting space Nazis, right? But I think the series gets a bad rap from most people. The single-player campaign has some decent firefights, some pretty spectacular set pieces, and some fancy weaponry to keep things ticking over. It's no better or worse than the campaign in a Call of Duty game, and people love those. What gives? (laughs) Still, absolutely no idea what's going on. Couldn't even name the laddie players. I've finished them all too. The multiplayer, though. That is the main reason I enjoy the Killzone games. I'm really good at them without having to even try hard, because... And because I had some freakish instant success, I played more than I probably would have if I sucked at it. I found myself learning the more advanced tactics and skills top players use, and before I knew it, I'd gotten completely hooked. It's a weird one. I totally see how someone may find Killzone to be an also-ran FPS, but because of my weird relationship with the multiplayer, it's like it's my also-ran FPS. (laughs) I still dip into Killzone 3 from time to time, mainly because I find it strangely relaxing to have a few frames on that to round an evening off. Uh, the one thing he touched on that we haven't really talked about at all was he says the fancy weaponry and I, th- I think the mm. for me the guns in this game are pretty awesome like that sniper rifle uh, is actually probably my favorite sniper rifle in any kind of first person shooter the way it you you aim and you just click up and down and it makes that little sound as <laughs> it goes like closer mm. and farther away it's really satisfying to shoot that off yeah. 
it goes back, uh, as I say, to that that very first preview that possibly set Killzone off on a bad foot for a lot of people uh, with the, with that cover strap line. But um, I remember thinking, uh, re- reading that article, that preview, and it was saying how how the game was using weapons that felt like guns. You know, this, mm. just because this was sci-fi, it doesn't mean that the the, the guns couldn't be meta- metallic firing mm. hot lead or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying you know I'm not anti uh, like needlers and things like that. I I like I'm quite happy with uh, purple la- laser guns and things like that in other sci-fi games. But I like the idea that this would add uh, to use the word a vis- viscerality to the combat, and I, and I think it does that. Oh yeah, um, definitely. I've got to say though, my favorite weapon in Killzone Two is uh, I forget the name of it, but it's um it's it's basically like a huge electro oh, electro bolt, yeah. I believe. <laughs> or and it's just you charge this thing up and then just fry everything in front of you, and it's it was it was good because a it was manually like recharged, so you didn't need actual ammo. So you could just, uh, and then literally as soon as I got this, this is what I stuck with through the whole level. It was just a uh, brilliant weapon. Killzone 3 had a, an equivalent yeah. of that as well. as the one where you just charge it up, it throws out a green ball, and then everyone mm. in front of you just <laughs> dies. Yeah. Yeah. And what I remember about that gun was just the sound design was really mm-hmm. great. Like it felt like this thing, if it exploded in your hands, there'd yeah. be nothing left of you but ash. It was just, <laughs> it felt powerful. Um, is it a tribute to the BFG? Yeah. Possibly? <laughs> I also had a lot of fun. I mean, it's certainly been replicated to a point with the chest paddles in, in Battlefield 3, but the uh, the bringing people back to life with a sort of... Uh, <laughs> Shooting you shoot them back yeah it was pretty cool um i had a lot of fun with the uh, placeable turrets as well the, the way they sort of build out of thin air and you stuff. know i mean the funny thing is this and I, it's a you know this week i've been playing a bit of terror away and i'm being so <laughs> entranced with um papercraft and it just occurred to me when you played Killzone 2, if you collected the intels, you unlocked papercraft models of the turrets <laughs> and the drones on their really? website, yeah, <laughs> that you could then download the PDF. Oh, that wow. stuff has never been anything but awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's really I never even knew about that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, we actually again, brief mention, um the 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 tracking, the Killzone 2 website was amazing. Oh, it was. Wasn't it? And I've still got mm. and and the fact that you could store replays was, I, and I don't know if this feature is still active, um, but I see the option to upload your files. And uh, uh, let me explain what this was. You would, it would save all your games as, or the last ten games you played on Killzone Two as a as a top down replay, yeah. and you would see red dots signifying Hellgast and blue dots signifying ISA, yeah. and you would see them moving in real time, This is a, and you could watch it in real time, all these dots, and you could see, and, and this is where the clan stuff really came into play, because you could, I guess, uh, as somebody who plays uh, football games, Leon, you could relate to this, you know, when you've got those kind of, you see the coach or the manager in there giving directions to where, yeah, and you can yeah. totally see how this could work, and it was just like, I, I remember watching a lot of these. I've still got two of my best ever games saved on these XML files. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I might try them to see if they still work, but that was such a damn fine feature. And unfortunately, it, was, it seemed to be completely re- removed for three. And unique. Yeah. Um... As far as I'm aware, forgive my ignorance if not, I mean, maybe things like armor should be doing it, but 
uh, when I uh, signed up to uh, the Battlefield website, the Battlelog stuff, I was hoping for something that that allowed me to, you know, see my movement mm. throughout a game and stuff like that. But no one else has done it. But yeah, it was. I thought it was so cool. It was kind of like it was like that scene in Patriot Games or Death from Above. You know, yeah. seeing seeing the little dots moving around or or um, and what what was funny synapse. is it, when they were shooting you would get these little dotted lines going from one to the others and then the other one would flash <laughs> and go off yeah and it was just like wow and, and it was just sometimes you're just sitting there thinking so that's where that sniper was how come we nobody spotted him you know and he was just this <laughs> one character up in the corner somewhere yeah. but you could see it and yeah it was a real and this is what i'm i'm, I'm referring to when i say they tried so many things that broke the mold with with an FPS, and and yet maybe didn't get the kudos. It, it, in my opinion, it deserved. Another brief mention this time of September two thousand and thirteen. That's very recent. Uh, Killzone Mercenary correspondent from the forum Chase two ten uh, says Killzone Mercenary is surprisingly excellent. I like the story and it looks amazing. I don't think we have. Uh, Anyone who's played it fully, Sean, you've played the beta? Yeah, just the beta, which was fun, but uh, it's not enough to really make any kind of calls on it. Okay. Uh, but that's out there. Um, I think, yeah, some people, I'm sure some people have said that it's uh, one of the stronger first-person shooters on the Vita at this point. I'm not sure <laughs> how much that's saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I heard about that Call of Duty. Yeah. Uh, as regards to the series in general, Chase 210 goes on to say, Killzone is possibly one of my favourite shooter franchises. I've played all five games and I love them all. The original and Liberation don't play as well anymore, but 2 is still a good game and it looks stunning even five years on. 3 is the game that really sealed it for me though. They finally fixed some of the worst controls like being able to aim with L1 and shoot with R1, changed the weapon selection and just made it more accessible and I really enjoyed the multiplayer. I think Killzone is a slower shooter than Call of Duty or what have you, but I like that. What you get in return is a sense of weight to your character that you don't normally get with others, such as seeing myself climb a ladder with my hands or landing with a thud. Yes, uh, some sort of odd uh, six-axis moments mm -hmm. in the games, but I, I like them when they worked. Um, the uh, planting of uh, mines <laughs> and then you sort of hold the controller in the air and, and twist it to activate mm -hmm. the, the explosive and stuff. Cool ideas. Yeah. Um, not the worst use of six-axis I've seen, certainly, but it wasn't always 100% reliable for me. Just a one three-word review each this week. The highlights from Twitter. Starting with Jay. Alan Smith, heavyweight multiplayer warzone. Tat Sun says Halo Beta? No. Matthew Woolley says nice and weighty. And Richard Atwood says Warzone every time. So our heartfelt but hyperbole free summaries, uh, including would we recommend the game, which I think might be slightly affected by uh, the recent launch of a new one on a new console, but that's for you fellows to decide. Start with Josh. Um, if you have a PS3, go on PSN and download the Killzone Free multiplayer on its own because that is fantastic. I really, really like the Killzone multiplayer. It's one of the few multiplayer experiences where I feel like I have a chance of being successful. Um, I think it's really varied. Um, there's lots of different activities 
all in one match Warzone. Uh, just all these different things you can do, just like capturing the flag, normal deathmatch. It's great. It's great fun for somebody who isn't uh, really into multiplayer. <clears throat> if you, you can dive in for 10 minutes, have a lot of fun, and then come back to it months later and still have a lot of fun i highly recommend people go and and download i think it's free to play as well so i'm looking mm-hmm. now and it says it's 11 pounds 99 right okay uh, i thought it was free to play uh there is a trial and unlock uh demo right. for the multiplayer maybe you can play up to a certain level yeah okay. that sounds uh, and the map you but, uh, yeah. but I would say you can buy all the maps for eight quid as well. Yeah, I, I would say maps. it's definitely worth that money. Like, for if if it means like having everything unlocked already without the free to play system, I think it is absolutely worth. What was it like? Eleven pounds something? Twelve pounds. Twelve pounds. Yeah. yeah. So it's worth that. The single player, on the other hand, for both uh, Killzone Two and Three, I think veer from fun uh, to mediocre. Um. Ultimately, it's not that they're terrible. They're just not terribly memorable. Um, I can't remember any of the characters aside from Rico, who is um, just the worst character I've encountered in a first-person shooter. I know we're usually hyperbole-free, but I just I really don't like that guy. Um, and I just found myself sympathizing with the villains more just because they, they actually seemed more interesting. Um, so yeah, check them out if you, if you could find them free, they're certainly worth, I mean, they're, they're not that long to play and they're not that frustrating. So if you have a free afternoon, I'm sure you could get through them. And if you haven't spent much money on them, then fine, whatever. But like the multiplayer is where the majority of the fun, uh, with these games lies. Sean. Uh, well, Killzone for me is... Uh, kind of tragic in a way because there's there's so much potential in 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 all of it ranging from single player to multiplayer there's there's all these ideas that you can tell that the developers had with the single player to to really build this kind of horrors of war kind of story and they never touch on it and they just give you a bunch of action sequences that sometimes are actually kind of fun um and the, the, the tragic thing about the multiplayer is that it's not that popular and that no many not many people have really caught on with the whole Warzone thing, which all four of us have said that we really like a lot. But at the end of the day, like I still would say that I recommend these games because like I'm really shallow and like very pretty graphics and awesome sound design and great music. Like that all kind of resonates with me, and I think uh, Killzone does it better than a lot of developers do. So um, I would recommend them. Yeah, I mean, especially like. If you're listening in America, Killzone 2 is $5 at GameStop and it gets you the whole thing. So definitely worth like five bucks. And like Josh was saying, the multiplayer on Killzone 3 is super cheap. So I would recommend playing them there for sure. Yeah, my guess is you could pick up both 2 and 3 in an English shop for probably maybe £20 a pair Mm. maximum. So um, there is that. Uh, Sean, Mm. you may have noticed listeners is American um, (laughs) and as such has had his PS4 for a little while. Uh, you've already played through the new one. I did. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's it's. We could have just lumped it into this episode too. It's it's pretty much exactly the same thing. Forgettable story, forgettable single player, but pretty fun multiplayer. And it's gorgeous. It's super pretty, and and the sound effects are great. It's the same exact thing all over again, which is a shame because like this was a whole 
great chance for them to kind of take over because they're getting the forefront on the PS3 and it's just, once again, squandered potential. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess you haven't spent hundreds of hours with multiplayer Not really. yet. No, but it's 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 the same stuff. It's Warzone. It's basically all only Warzone, but you can customize them to make your own death matches and stuff. But they didn't really change much. It's the same thing, but it, they didn't really need to. You know, it's one of those kind of if it's not broken, don't fix it kind of things. So for my summary, it's it's relevant that Killzone Shadowfall is out now in America and out now everywhere. In fact, by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, because I honestly couldn't recommend that people pick up Killzone 2 or 3, um, despite the fact that I associate many of my fondest online multiplayer memories with those games. Um, I would simply say that I wouldn't bother, say, to people to bother picking up uh, th- those discs or downloads just to play the single player, because I have so little memory or affection for them it it's just i can't think how many other games i would recommend playing ahead of those just hundreds so don't bother um but i would say uh based on what sean said and what i understand about shadowfall is that i would recommend picking that up with your shiny new ps4 and giving the multiplayer a proper go um don't be too concerned if the single player isn't all that because that's kind of par for the course um but if the many 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 hours of fun i had online with friends playing killzone 2 and 3 is anything to go by uh, it will be a worthwhile purchase um but having said that you know i've i've put the game on my amazon wish list the new one uh for when i get my ps4 but i am a little concerned that i won't have i won't be able to replicate all those magic hours um, because both next-gen consoles have launched with Call of Duty and Battlefield <laughs> yeah. games. Uh, there's, it's got no window of of opportunity. It's gonna, it's. I suspect it's gonna get absolutely steamrolled by its titanic rivals. Uh, and there will be people playing it, of course, um, fans of the series and uh, I guess hardcore PlayStation fans who have you know long been associated with it, but like for instance jay isn't getting a ps4 anytime soon he's you know he's my go-to guy for playing this this game with um i shall probably have an enormous amount of fun playing battlefield 4 in the meantime but by the time jay gets a ps4 will anyone be playing killzone anymore so that's my personal quandary but yeah i would recommend people try it jay what about you and killzones two and three i have a lot of time for Gorilla as a developer. I think that they've shown incredible technical skill with the Killzone games. And whilst their multiplayer, you know, was, was, I'll say groundbreaking because it really was to me at the time, having played a lot of console-based shooters, I wasn't necessarily, you know, I've never played the PC side of things. So all the clan stuff, all the, and you know, the, the changes they made to the, the feel of the game, um, Things like Warzone, you know, and in three operations worked really well. And I thought they, I was always kind of dismayed that they weren't, they didn't set the world ablaze like I wanted them to. Um, I really wish that they'd made more effort with the story. Um, They've got such a rich timeline, uh, you know, historical setup with the whole universe that they've created for these games. Every game 
feels like a complete dismissal of all that effort and all that time they put into doing that stuff because it's just it's just it feels thrown together and uh, with complete disregard for for uh, context and 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 continuity um but the multiplayer is stunning. Could I recommend that people play them? It's so difficult because Killzone 2, from what I could see, is still running, but who the hell is playing that now? Um, Killzone 3, the last time I tried to play that, I struggled to find a game. I kept ending up mm-hmm. with just a one-on-one match with somebody, especially yeah, in operations. Really. Yeah. And, I, you know, again, it, it brought a little bit of sadness to my heart because it was such a great game when we had the people playing it. I think it's... it's. I don't know what Shadowfall is, is going to be like. I would recommend if people have got it, as Leon said, give it, give it some time. Try it out. Try the different modes. But most importantly, play with people you know. As, and that goes for pretty much every shooter anyway. But when you've got... As with all shooters, you're playing with friends. Those games are amazing. Um, I would hope that they've done a good job with it, but you know, the competition is is stiff these days, and uh, you know, I don't know how much life is left in the Killzone franchise overall. Yeah. But I have fond memories. Um, but you know, I would have liked to have far more than just the multiplayer. You know, be fascinating to see what uh, if anything else guerrilla well that's turn, the interesting thing um i was I, apparently um i was reading it's on the wiki page for guerrilla games in 2010 they announced they were working <laughs> yeah. on a new ip yeah. now that has yeah. never come to light i i wondered if it was just shadowfall or has evolved into shadowfall or mm. along the way but it and maybe that maybe sort of Could raises be. the question of why Shadowfall seems to be set so far ahead in the the Killzone mm-hmm. universe, and that whole question of whether they just adapted something that they were going to make different. I don't know. Uh, it just made me wonder what that studio could be capable of if, if kind of if they were given a fresh start with something else, you know. But so uh, what I understand, Sean, is that Shadowfall is, has a, a brighter. Uh, a palette, a bolder palette mm-hmm. than the other games, but does it feel? Does it uh, apart from that? Does it look and feel like a, a kill zone? Kind of, sort of. They they, um, they made everything lighter because he's supposed to be the shadow marshals and the kill zone fiction are supposed to be a little more stealthy, mm-hmm. and um, so that the aiming is a little bit lighter and the the movement is definitely a little bit quicker, but it still has that first person feel, very weighty. Um, yeah, right. and the environments are definitely a lot more colorful this time around because I'm just sure everyone's seen the uh, the reveal back at E3 or or the PlayStation reveal. It was really like blue and green and you know, all these different types of colors, and and that kind of sticks up throughout the whole campaign. But uh, it's it's definitely a Killzone game. Yeah, they've kept the feeling of weight even though it runs at 60 frames, solid yeah, 60 frames, it's kind of weird. Well, the single player sticks to 30 frames per second, mm. but the well, oh, it's okay. a little dips and it's not it's not really steady but yeah this the multiplayer is oh, 60 really? yeah interesting <clears throat> to see how much also such a technically adept group can get out of the hardware as mm-hmm. you know because launch games are never anything like uh, using the potential of the machine yeah. anyway that's kill zone just remains for me leon cox to thank jay josh and sean and to tell you that next week in issue 107 
Tony will be your host as he, James, Sean, and Darren Foreman discuss Proteus. A little different. Until then. <laughs> Very different, indeed, yes. That's how we like yeah. to do it. Until then, here's some stirring, strident music. Music.